Hey Kyle, just started listening to one of your episodes here in Tinbiwa, Australia, in the Noosa postcode just up from the famous points. My dog thinks something smells really good around the corner. Um, I'm currently hand sanding a wood body surfing hand surfer or hand plane, which was given to me by my late uncle. And I can see the colours changing in the sky. Random thoughts, I'm some crazy person that makes all of his surfboards and all of his surf car craft out of rubbish. Uh, stuff that would normally be thrown away. Uh, old surfboards, building foam, timber that's donated to you by your late uncle. And I have a fair bit of fun surfing and riding the waves with them because if it was set for landfill, it's a lot better than just using new stuff or even recycled stuff at 30% recycled. Hope you have an awesome day and love listening to your stuff. Well, hello from across the pond. Glad to hear I have some listeners in Australia. And yes, I'm a big believer in hand planes and swim fins. I will throw that magic combo in my board bag on every single surf trip I go on because it is always worth it to go body wamping when in doubt. And that's great that you make it from reclaimed wood. I did a podcast a few episodes ago with the guys from Ventana Surfboards. And they make all their boards from reclaimed wood and they turn them into art pieces. They'll put abalone shells and redwood and all kinds of cool stuff in their boards. And if any of you want to send me a voice memo, you can record on your phone, try and keep it under a minute, 90 seconds, whatever. Tell me a little bit about yourself and email it straight to info at kyle.surf and I will play it at the beginning of the podcast. This episode of the show is with Nora Vasconcellos and Albie Lair. Nora is a professional skateboarder. She was the first female pro skater on the Adidas team. She won the world championship as well as Trans World's Reader's Choice Female Award. And Albie Lair, many of you are familiar with, this is his third time on the podcast because he's one of my favorite people ever to, to record with because he really doesn't have an agenda. It's rare that I can get pro athletes on the show who are willing to go down any rabbit hole. Uh, and it makes the podcast more fun for me when I don't feel like I need to interview them. And Albie's great because he's super smart and he has a lot of interests outside of surfing. We sat down on this episode and he started talking about how he just joined flight school. I don't know how many pro surfers are doing that. Um, and he is rehabbing from an injury right now. I met up with him in uh, Southern California and Nora then sat in on the podcast about halfway through. Um, and then the next day we went to the skate park and Albie and I were just standing on the sidelines watching Nora do incredible shit at the local YMCA skate park. Um, it's highly impressive. I posted a video of her on my Instagram. It's insane how good she is. Um, and super smart as well, really has has other interests besides skateboarding, which is fucking great. And more people need to diversify their thoughts and the people that they surround themselves with. So I think that both of them are good examples of those kinds of humans. 
I want to send a huge shout out to Santa Cruz Medicinals on this podcast. Santa Cruz Medicinals makes CBD coconut oil, CBD olive oil, CBD pain cream, and I use all of it. I cook with the olive oil. It's great on low heat. Uh, the pain cream is great after surfing um, or if you're sore after a workout. And uh, the cocoa butter is amazing for massages if you want to treat yourself. And you can get all of their products at scmedicinals.com. You can get 10% off by to- typing in the code name KYLE10, all caps. So head over and get some CBD for yourself. It's great for inflammation. It helps with sleep. And I use it on a daily basis. So head over to Santa Cruz Medicinals, scmedicinals.com, and check them out. All right. Hope that all of you are doing wonderful out there. Hope you're getting in the water as much as possible. And uh, without further preamble, please welcome to the show, Albie Lair and Nora Vasconcellos. Have a great day. Kyle Tierman here. I'm in Cape Town. I was the only journalist in northern Nigeria. Not an adventure until you get lost in Tijuana. You get caught inside by a giant wave, you feel really alone. I love the adventure of waking up and not knowing what will happen and that being my job. I'm standing at a desert oasis right now. A lot of tourists don't see this part of Bali. Smiles and thumbs up. Thumbs up. It's a lot more tranquil than our last one, but our last one was one of my favorites ever. That was so it was fun. it was so good. I I gotta say, man, I um, drowning in a world of professional athletes that try and make themselves sound a certain way. It is always refreshing to sit down with you. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I feel like podcasts were built for you, <laughs> like because you're you're constantly trying know, people to. People keep trying to tell me to like I should start doing one. And I was just like, no, like every once in a while, maybe a little glimpse is yeah. all all we need of me. Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> we, don't, we don't need any more. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you know what? Quick doses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, yeah, that the last one was a blast. I got a yeah. lot of good feedback on that one. Yeah, that was so fun. Well. We're going to have the goal here to not talk about surfing. And we did a pretty good I'm, job of it last time. I know. We always do. We so, do. So what are we going to start with then? Uh, what are we going to start with? I was um, I, I read a bu- uh, book recently that I thought you'd dig uh, called Sapiens. Have you heard of Sapiens? No. Someone told me about this, though. What is it about? Remind me. It's uh, a brief history of humankind. And it's written by a guy named... Uh, Yuval Noah Harari. So, and he's a historian. And uh, the point that I'll repeat that I have been has kind of been a, a mind warper for me recently is that um, humans. Uh, you know about Dunbar's number. So humans can organize in groups up to about 150 people. Like we are, we are. That's not true. We can uh, remember about 150 people. Like we can keep those people in our close circles. But beyond that, it's really difficult for us to uh, remember all these people, right? That makes sense. But, uh, what has allowed Homo sapiens to evolve the way that we have in uh, terms of our ability to organize in societies, under corporations, under nations, is our ability to create what he calls imagined realities. So this means uh, an imagined reality could be... Um, the, the imagined reality that 
the United, we both believe that we're American and that this is the United States. So, oh, I so see what, what you mean. so what is the United States really? Like, okay, it's borders, there's people inside, but really what it is is this idea that we all believe to be true. So, all right, you're an American, I'm an American, we can both fight for something underneath this flag. Or, yeah. all right, you, you work for Mitsubishi and I work for Mitsubishi. Like, what is that corporation really? It's, like, it's just a belief that we both share. And other animals can't do that. So, like, Kind of like a tribalism thing. It, it, it is a tribalism thing, but it takes it, takes it the idea, you know, beyond just that, like, it basically says, look, like we were around at the same time Neanderthals were around and they were uh, stronger than us. They were faster than us. But we could organize in these groups in a way that no other society could. Um, and it made me it's made me think a lot about the stories that we are told to believe and how those stories organize us in massive groups. Like, if no one believed that the dollar was worth anything, it wouldn't be worth anything. That's such a crazy... I've always thought of that. It's just paper. And it's just... Yeah. It's just like a belief system in it. Right. So, I, I think that when you look at storytellers, you know, of, of all kinds, all we're really trying to do in one sense or another is get other people to believe in our imagined reality. Yeah. And that's what can get people to organize around Nazi Germany, you know, that could be, that could get people to organize around a massive environmental movement. Yeah. Like the idea that the environment holds uh, more of, uh, more importance to us than others is just around the stories that we've been told. It's just the beliefs that we have. Yeah, I think the whole environmental thing is so much just like a product of where you came from. Like there's no, like if you explain it the right way to anyone it's easy to buy into because right. it's like <laughs> yeah you know like we talked about it before like it's pretty easy to buy into because you just like look at it and you're like well what like what are they benefiting by telling me that's like not really anything like right. it's just something yeah. we all need to work together like you know there's no like they're not trying to get rich quick kind of thing no i don't know a lot of rich environmentalists no me it's, neither it's, it's, it's in the name non-profit you're yeah. not gonna make a lot of money <laughs> exactly <laughs> so yeah I think anyway, we need more of that. We do, but uh, yeah, have you have you been uh, digging any books lately? I haven't been doing many books. I actually, oh, my new big thing um, is I started taking flying lessons, like in planes. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, up there. Yep, up there. It's been like, uh, it's like the funnest thing I've ever done because you know I've been out for four months now, five months. I don't know, something around there. I got surgery on both hips. Um, first one was uh, February sometime. So since then, and I like um, still not all the way back to surfing and doing everything. So I like had to do something to keep my mind and just something exciting too. <laughs> so I started like a flight school thing right out of Carlsbad here. And um, it's been so fun. It's been like the weirdest part of the whole thing though was like going back to school in a way. <laughs> Right. Like, like it's so weird. Like, just you forget how to study, which is such a weird thing to forget. Like, just how, how to, to like how to learn a new yeah, a like, new thing for and go from zero to one. Yeah, like I forgot all the ways. Like, I was good and bad at obtaining knowledge. Like, I, a lot of the stuff I I realized I have to do um, like hand motions 
Because like you're learning all the controls of the airplane, and if I do hand motions, I remember it like way better. What? <laughs> so like my name, my roommates walked by one day, and I'm just sitting there like moving my hands back and forth like wings and like <laughs> pretending to Ray, be. The controls. Be, are you getting into Tai Chi, man? Like, Yo, what's going on in there? I was like, ah, uh, you know, I just figured out how the ailerons of the wing work or whatever it is. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, I, I when you go back and learn something that you you know in a similar way to when you had to learn it in school too, you probably notice like what kind of a learner you are. Like I sucked at taking tests, and I thought that I was stupid until I basically until I started doing homeschool when I was a junior in, in high school because I, I just had to move all the time. I had a really hard time sitting. But now if I have to go and I sit down and take a test or something, I'm like flooded with all these memories. Of being in public school. Yeah, and just stressing you out. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I know. Luckily, I, I only have like one or two tests for the whole thing, but I'm already nervous about that because it's like a big test that you have to study and like be ready for. And it's just like... what? Uh, so what do you dig about it? To, like w- walk me through what's th- what's been the experiences and what got you into it? Um, I just had a couple friends who have been pilots, um, like close friends of mine. And um, my one friend took me around in Maui. Just one day, and I was just like, wow, like, it, that kind of freedom is just, like, crazy. Like, he just goes, rents a plane, and he can just fly around Maui for the day. And you can see parts of the island, like, I've, I've lived there for 28 years on and off and never got to see. And it was just like, I was like, this would be amazing to be able to do. And I looked into it, and it's just like, I, I finally had the time. And I was just like, I have no excuse to not pursue something like this right now. And yeah, like I, and I was worried, like my first like f- flight or two, I got, it was pretty overwhelming because I like, you know, you do an online portion and then you do flights with instructors and like my first instructor just handed me over the controls like right away, like made me take off and everything before I'd, I'd never done anything like that. And I was just like, whoa. And he's <laughs> like, it's like driver's ed where he's right there and he can right. correct you if you do something wrong. But it's just like, after like my third flight though, like I got just kind of comfortable where I knew where everything was and it wasn't just like completely overwhelming because there's so much from I, like the I radio just see calls. buttons whenever I think of a cockpit it's just bu- a wall yeah of exactly it's, it, but it's like those little steps of learning something new where something so foreign starts to make sense like that feeling is like I, I mean I don't I don't get that from surfing really like yeah like you know I make really small steps at this point in surfing where it's like you know, like all of a sudden, all those buttons and all those gauges. I'm like, holy shit! I know what all these mean. Like, or not all of them, but you know, I'm like starting to get it. And like, I'm starting to understand like all of this that was just completely foreign to me like a little bit ago. And then like the radio calls are the funniest. Like, cause you know you, you like you hear them before and like it's it's totally learning another language basically. And it started like making sense, and just that feeling was like pretty addictive. Like. Where it's like, wow, like I'm actually like getting this. Huh. What and are the radio cl- calls like? Well, you got to like, <laughs> um, you got to learn like the, what is it? The NATO phonetic alphabet where it's like Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, right. all that all the way through. And then you have to like, but learn it to where like when you see a D, you think Delta, not like, or, you know, <laughs> right. a Z, a Zulu, like whatever it is. And, um, but then you have to, there's like these lists where they, they basically just take out um, like words you don't need, like to make it a full sentence where it's just like, you just list things like, like you, it's like who you're calling, who you are and what you want. But you don't like say like, Hey, we want to do this. Like, it's like, Oh, like power ground, like 
Cessna, whatever it is. And then. Oh, do you know where any, uh, where that language came from, or that means of communication? I I mean, I guess it's just simplifying. They probably did it. Started with full sentences, and like I guess the NATO phonetic alphabet is that military base? It must be right. I have no idea. Because I mean, I mean, it totally makes sense. Because you know, A or B, C, D, E all sound pretty similar off of a radio, so it makes sense to change it up to where you can't confuse them. Do you know what's gonna be sick is when you have a plane and then you can go on surf missions in a little plane. Dude, that, that's what I was talking about. There's, there's so many spots where you could just, oh my god, that'd be the dream. There's like a little island in Mexico you could go down to. What's that one? Have you ever been there? There's just a tiny airstrip on it. Uh, which one? I I forget what it's called, but there's just a couple point breaks on this tiny island with a little airstrip. Oh yeah, yeah. is that where um is that where they did the Google they won the Google Earth. Challenge one mm, year. There's a there's a right off that island. I think. Yeah. yeah. Probably some Dude. super secret spot where yeah. like one hour. Yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> we're saying Mexico. There's an island in Mexico. <laughs> yeah, we're good. Um, Dude, what what about uh, doing the um, wh- I mean, what's it called? The the is it biplane or like when you can land on water? What's that one called? Um, I don't know, but I I mean I know what you're talking about. I don't know what the seaplane, right? Seaplane. They're just called seaplanes. Yeah, Are you interested in seaplanes? Would that be the call? Yeah, I think land a seaplane and go surf a surf a point break. That would be the dream. But <laughs> like, I mean, sick. how often do you see seaplanes like, anymore? I don't think screw you, that John many. John, in your yacht. I have a seaplane. <laughs> show up in the channel at Jaws. Spray everyone in your seaplane. <laughs> That would be the dream. I don't like, you never see those anymore. And I'm like, they seem so like wildly practical. Like you think you'd see more of them. Right. But I mean, maybe there's just not a certain enough surfer pilots. <laughs> Dude, yeah. Bring you're, them back. You're, you're breaking through markets, man. Surfer mountain bikers, surfer pilots. <laughs> <laughs> we got too much time on my hands. Um, that's cool. So so what? can you fly a plane on your own now? What level no, are you I'm on? So, very like elementary level i'm still I, I forget exactly it's between like 50 and 70 hours i think to get your like sport pilot that's where you can just go rent a plane and fly it with take friends or whatever and um i'm only on like hour like 13 or something i've done like seven or eight flights or right. something but yeah i mean i i like at first i was like i didn't know if i was gonna finish it but after like my last couple of flights i'm just like i'm totally hooked and i'm gonna get to the end of it so huh. I'm excited about it. Was there a decision that you made to learn this skill before surgery? Yeah. I Were you like, like, oh, you're like, okay, I'm either going to get depressed or I'm exactly. going to learn a new skill. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, all right, like, what am I going to do? Because originally they told me about six months recovery from surgery to really being able to do my thing again. And I'm only at three from the second one or, or close to four. And I'm already surfing and stuff again. But Great. But still, like, pretty far from 100%. Um, But, yeah, just, like, going into that, like, hearing six months, I was just, like, I've never had to, I think the longest I ever was out was a little, like, just under two months. And I just couldn't really picture it. And, like, I I just knew my, I was probably going to (laughs) unravel. So I was just, like, I got to pick something. And, yeah, I started, I mean, just from my... Um, two friends that were pilots at home and I was just like that would be so fun to be able to do and I was like this is perfect timing and like my mom was really into me doing it because um, her dad my grandfather was like a fighter pilot like back like World War Two kind and stuff so <laughs> she's like it's in your blood you gotta do it <laughs> can you imagine being a World War Two fighter pilot dude that was the thing I was uh, when I first started flying I was like so hard to just like 
when those little planes, it's so hard to keep it just straight and level. Like that's like your first thing you learn how to do is like straight and level flight where it's yeah. just like nice and easy and doing like coordinated turns and stuff. Cause there's all these different things like where the plane like kind of slips out where you do a coordinated turn. Like it feels really good. It feels like doing a car surfing kind of right. You're like sit in your seat. And I was just like, that was like one of the <laughs> first things I imagined. It was just like, imagine like the first like fighter pilots. Like, are you like, that must've been the craziest thing. Like one of the craziest things humans have ever done still to this day Dude. with those old planes that like barely worked. They're like going pretty fast, but like kind of slow. And there was just, hundreds of them fighting like trying to kill each other (laughs) albie i'm on your wing man i'm on your wing we got a bogey right behind you we got a bogey right behind you i'm gonna take him out (laughs) and i just i just like i i can't wrap my head around it like it must have been so intense yeah because i watch those movies and stuff like i don't know there's like flyboys and um what was the one top yeah yeah obviously but that was like kind of fire jets yes but like the older ones with the old, old bad planes <laughs> that just weren't really reliable. The ones, the ones where they're wearing some kind of leather over oh, their mouths to yeah. keep them awake. Like <laughs> it, it, they hadn't upgraded to plastic, there, and there was no real oxygen going in. It just seemed like a leather mask over them. Yeah, for exactly. some reason. Oh, Red Tails. That was the one with the African American pilots. Like the first. Ooh, I haven't seen that one. It's a pretty sick movie. But um, yeah, man, that stuff was just crazy. Like I. That was, like, one of the first things I imagined, just, like, those people must have just, they must, like, I would just love to talk to them. <laughs> like, I wonder how there's probably not many of them around, if at all, but. Yeah, but, I mean, the speed and commitment, and you're just, it's, you're in the middle of the air. Yeah, exactly. Like if, Someone can shoot you from directly below you. Yeah. And directly above you, like, it's just so wild to think that. You had to be so on it. And then you got to pull, and then if you get hit, you got to pull mm-hmm. the lever and shoots you out, and then you got to skydive down. Yeah. And in the old planes, they just had to jump out if their plane went down. Like, <laughs> they just had to wear a parachute and <laughs> just, like, get up and just be like, ah, shit, I'm out. <laughs> Dude. I know. Those are, those are the true, just, like, craziest people of all time, I think. Well, and, and then- like, wildly talented. Like, wildly talented. Anyone who survived all that was just, had to be... So good at what they did. You have to stay so calm in those situations. Yeah, you have to be pretty off. Yeah, and don't you have to uh, do hook breaths? Probably not. In I wonder what G force you have to do hook breaths. So there are pilots where they they teach them a certain breathing style where they they and then they bear down to, to not, like, pass not pass out. out yeah. yeah, from the G force. Yeah, I haven't learned about that, but I I can imagine. Yeah, you'll be hook breathing before long. Yeah. Hopefully some of that some yeah. of that deep water training crosses <laughs> <Yeah>. over somehow. <laughs> hey, fly higher, dive deeper. Just yep. Gotta do those uh those hook yeah, breaths. It. Yeah. It was actually my buddy, um he's a diver and a pilot. He passed away a while ago. And I, I he was one of the guys I fl- or flew with and like got to watch fly and I was just like, Man and when he passed away I was like, God, I gotta do it, dude. Is that a new Jeff tattoo? Like, uh that's this part's kinda old, but I just added that. Mm. Fly higher, dive deeper, man. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what that's what he did. He flew high and he dove deep. So, so are you? Uh, so now you're in, you're in Encinitas. You're doing the pi- you're flying lessons, a few days a week. Yeah, I try to fly like two or three days a week. If yeah. you do more than that, it's kind of overwhelming because you learn too much new things at once. Yeah, I know what you mean, though, man. The the feeling of 
going from zero to one, feeling like you're not learning and like you don't understand it at all to all of a sudden you decipher the language a little bit is it's one of the best feelings there is. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, once we finish school, we don't do that enough. Like we don't take the time to learn something new and you don't get that feeling. And like, it helps so much with just like your self-confidence and self-worth when you like, when you just like get over that little threshold of just like, oh my God, this is complete nonsense to me. I'm never going to do it. And then all of a sudden you're like, ooh, like I, this makes sense now. Yeah. Well, I, f- dude, when I'm not doing something like that, my thoughts start getting dark fast. Exactly. It's like within a day, if I'm not exercising or learning a new skill that I'm psyched on, like, dude, my, it's, Thinking has very rarely made me feel better about myself. Yeah. It's having, yeah, there's like, it sounds so hard, like dumb to complain about, obviously, as like a, a, you know, someone with a dream job or whatever. But that's, like, it sounds stupid again. I don't even want to say it. But that's the hardest part is when you have, like, boredom. Boredom is the most dangerous thing and like for a certain personality, I guess for some people, like like they can do it. They enjoy relaxing and stuff. But for certain personalities, like boredom is is like really scary. Like it's a scary thing you want to avoid at all costs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you know where that goes. I uh, yeah, you just did. I do a meditation app uh, that I talk about way too much, but I think everyone should do it. It's called Waking Up by Sam Harris. Oh, I've I listen to Sam Harris all the time, but I have yet to do the app. Dude, he's my meditation teacher. That calm voice just serenades yeah. me every morning. But he does these little philosophy lessons in the meditation as well. So there are you know ten minutes. 20 minute meditations but then there will just be a you know a six minute um you know kind of philosophical rant that he does and he has this one on boredom and he says boredom is just the inability to pay attention and when you think about what brings us joy what brings us self-worth it's a lot of times concentrating on one thing and he brings up all these examples like, you know, even pain is this great uh, concentrator. Like, have you ever been in a lot of pain? But it's not the worst thing ever. It's, not, it's almost not as bad as boredom because you're focused on one singular pursuit. And I, f- I feel like we need that. Like, we need that concentration as much as possible. Yeah, and, well- and boredom is just the opposite of that. Yeah. I mean, even like the, you know, the couple of days after surgery, when you're in terrible pain, you, you're not bored. Like you don't, cause if I, you know, say right now I spent the next three days pretty much lying in bed all the time, like, n- like I would, I would start to lose it and then go into really like dark place. But you know, like when you're like healing or like you're focused on something like that was just all about, you know, me trying to get a little better every day when you're like that focused, then you don't have that you know, kind of dark spiral down mm-hmm. within your thoughts. Yeah. But I'm and those little tactics, man, they make a big difference. Absolutely. I know I'm I'm really lucky that I like with my friends and that we're flying like that this idea came into my head during it cuz having something just to focus on cuz like the first little bit, you know, you're with surgery, I was just focused on healing and I was doing PT every day and it was um it wasn't too bad. Like I wasn't losing it yet. And, um, but once I could, 
basically once I was off the crutches where I could still walk and stuff, but then oh, you can hear one, of the, one of the planes coming by, dude. That's, that's one of the ones that fly, probably. Dude, all your planes, you <laughs> ruined my podcast. <laughs> oh my god, I hate planes, dude. You're in, someone's just, the best. Like yeah, and then I'm gonna I, find out where you're, where you're doing one. And then I killed the guy, and it's like. <laughs> I'm gonna find Dude, out where you're doing a podcast and fly over one day. And dogs, <laughs> I hate them so much. I'm like an old woman now that I do podcasts, dude. My kids skateboarding on the um, sidewalk. Oh my god, dude! I never thought I was turned into one of those guys. I'm like, can you kids get down there? Get out of here! So good. No, but yeah, I was just saying, like, I was so lucky that I found something to focus on because yeah, it was like after I was off crutches, where I could still walk around, so it like. That feeling of like your like healing was like a little like kind of an afterthought where I wasn't like completely focused on the injury where I was just like, shit, I need to do something like I can walk like I, I should be able to do something. And like, I you know, even going swimming or something like I needed something to really stimulate me. And yeah, if I didn't. So what uh, what caused the injury? Um, It's like. Yeah, I'll give you the quick cliff notes of the injury. So I have a torn labrum, and then, what is it called? It's like an osteophyte or something. Like, it's a big bone spur on my, the femur that rotates within the hip socket. So when you tear the labrum, it starts having bone rub against bone, which makes more bone grow, which was a weird thought to me at first. But, like, it totally makes sense. It's like a callus where, like, you know, the more you rub it, the bigger it gets. Um, I didn't realize bones would do that. Like a callus. <laughs> yeah. The more you rub it, the more bigger it gets. <laughs> that's, that's what I think of yeah. with, with calluses. That exactly. Yeah, it's calluses. <laughs> but no, yeah. like I, I, I imagined it like grinding away to the bone was like gone, but um, that's not how it works. So I had these big bone spurs that were just like further tearing the labrum. And um, so the guy, I actually went to like one of the best doctors in the world for hips, which was so cool. Like, um, here in, in Southern California? No, it's um, it's called the Stedman Clinic up in um, Colorado. It's like the full like Olympic facility for like all the Olympic like Winter Olympic like ski team and all that. Um, I have a friend who lives on Maui part time. Julia Mancuso is her name. She's like an Olympic downhill skier, and she got a full repla- a hip replacement from the guy. And she kind of hooked me up as well as my mom was friends with one of the doctors who worked there. You know, because she is in um, she's an ER nurse for like twenty something years now. And so I was really lucky to like get in there and it was like the best treatment I could possibly imagine. It was actually like, it sucked, but it was a really cool experience in a way just to see how that whole world works. Cause like, so he like went in and he, um, first thing he does is like clean up the like tears in the labrum, which is the cup around your hip socket where everything rotates in. And then he had to repair the tear, um, with like anchors. So he put them in and then he spent on my right side was really bad actually but my left side he just had to shave down that bone and it was actually i got to um, film the whole second surgery and it was like you can tell like the doctor is like he's like a rock star among surgeons like yeah just like he has like a um there's a movie on netflix actually it's called um restless creatures about this um ballerina who got the same surgery with the same doctor it's actually a pretty cool documentary because she was like late 40s and trying to get like hammer out the end of her ballerina career and um so yeah he's a full rock star so like i had dan um who's my partner with take shelter we film everything together filming the surgery and he's just like the guy's just like it's it's super weird to watch yourself just i was out you know 
And the guy just has tools in me, and he's just like talking over his shoulder like it's no big deal to Dan. Like, oh, like so, like how was how do you do this winter in Maui? Like, blah blah, like just like not even looking at some points, and he's just like you can tell he's just like this. He does, you he's know, so zoned in. Yeah, like he does twelve of them a week or something. Yeah, and he's just like it was just crazy, and and you got to see the um, little camera like within that goes in the hip because one goes in and then the other one's all the tools. And he just grinded down the bone for, it took him like two hours on my right side. It was a really big bump. Wow. Which left like a ton of bruising and it was like pretty brutal. But I can't believe how like fast I'm feeling pretty good now. That's great. What's this guy's name? Uh, Dr. Philippon is his name. Dr. Philippon. Yeah. He's is, is he just type A personality? Like s- s- massive IQ? Like what's his personality? Um, I don't know. He's just... He has he has like a little bit of the like when you talk to him you feel like you're talking to a celebrity mm. like kind of way, but he's just like he's just really just and obviously super intelligent but really nice and just like it's because you know you go through like the MRI process and all that stuff and like um, the other people working with him are like telling you about your injury, and he just like walks in and he like he doesn't like make it not a big deal, but like just enough where you want it. He's like, all right, like this is what's wrong. This is what's wrong. This is what we're going to do to fix it. You're going to be back a hundred percent. Don't worry about it. And you're just like, sweet. You're like, all right, like I, f- I feel fine. Like that's you great. Know, you instantly f- know you're in good hands. Yeah. It's a, a whole world of those, uh, the people that are the best at their craft in surgeries, because there's a lot of people that really look up to them so they do have these little micro celebrity statuses oh yeah like so i snapped my arm six months ago uh and got this great surgeon named dr klein who's he is like a cold calculated robot like he went in and did six other surgeries before mine that day also he's a, a wrist specialist and my mom said that when he came out after the surgery he looked like he had just woken up, like not tired, not depleted, just like, so this is how the surgery went and uh, we can expect a full recovery at this moment. And she's like, it was so strange. Like he was just in his element, which, you know, goes back to what we were talking about, concentration. Yeah. He loved, those kinds of people love to concentrate, but it's like, it's kind of high stakes too. I know. That's what, yeah, that's what, like, you know, when you get to the top level of what you do, you need that kind of high stakes to probably keep you concentrated. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you just start going through the motions and stuff. Hey, I'm talking to a big wave surfer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> that's why when you get good enough surfing, you got to do something that scares you and keeps you concentrated, keeps you focused. Yeah, that's that's the whole point, right? Yeah, but it, so you are sort of back. You were in Austin, Texas recently. What was yeah. that like? It was super fun. I got to yeah, I judged the Stab High event this year, and it was um, it was. It was pretty funny. I was like a little nervous going into it, just because, you know, I'm I of all people have talked shit about judges more than maybe anyone. <laughs> so I was like, all right, like here we go. Like I, he offered me the chance, and I was like, ooh, I don't want to do that. And I was like, ah, oh, if I don't do that, I'm such a hypocrite. Like constantly saying I can do it better, and then I'm <laughs> not taking the chance to actually do it better. So uh, I did it, and um, they're like, "Alba, you can't bring the June shine into the judging booth." They, they literally, booth. they literally told me that. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because it was sponsored by Saint Archer. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Which is so funny because our head brewer is the um, was one of the guys who started Saint Archer. <laughs> so do you own? Ju- we're drinking some honey 
ginger lemon hard kombucha. Are yeah. you part owner in I this am. company? I yeah. Um, my yeah. We'll talk about it. It's, the, it's been the funnest. It's just been the funnest thing ever. Um, my friends, three of my friends, um, started it. My friend Forrest, who's from Maui, um, who I've known for a long time, and then his buddy Greg. They all went to USD together. And another one of our friends, Kevin, and then this guy, Josh, who was the brewer. And they just kind of started in the garage, and they were, like, talking about the idea. And I was just like, I've always not liked kombucha. I told them, to like, I was just making fun of them. I was like, you should call it beer, but worse. And, like, call <laughs> the shit. And then when they started making it, I was just like, but you could tell just by the way they were going out. I was like, ooh, this is going to catch on, like, big. Mm-hmm. And their, like, whole MO was just like, oh, like, why don't we make the healthiest way to drink? And keep it organic, keep it like um, transparent and all that. And I was just like, this is perfect. And, and um, so yeah, I jumped in before it was even really a thing as like a ambassador co-owner. And then from there, like I've been kind of in charge of, um, not in charge, but like helping Forrest build the team. And that was, um, yeah, that's been so fun. Like, yeah, we got Sage Kotzenberg, who's like a Olympic gold medalist snowboarder. Chris Benchettler and Kimmy uh, Fasani, they're um, snowboarder and skier that are married. Uh, I know Chris. He's so yeah. sick. He's the he's, he's the super sickest rat. dude ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris, a climber and also avid surfer. Yeah. Yes. Uh, we used I used to surf for Cliff Bar, and he skied for Cliff Bar. He's yeah. the fucking man. He's the man. Yeah, an amazing artist. Too. Amazing artist. Yeah. Have are you, you ha- are you having him do art for you? I want to. Oh God, I need to get that guy on my podcast, Chris. Dude. If you're listening, yeah, I, I haven't talked to that guy in years. That's he, a blast from the past. You absolutely should because he's right now. He's in the middle of like a big movie project that's going to be really insane. Yeah. Where he paired up with the Grateful Dead, and they're doing like uh like they're scoring the whole thing. And he's been doing this. I don't know how much I'm supposed to talk about it, but it's going to be an insane project. Like they lit up all a mammoth at night. Yeah. And like. He got like some of the best snowboarders, and then he's gonna um, doing some stuff with surfing and one of the wave pools at night, like all this crazy stuff. So he's so sick. But that's been like the coolest thing is like we built this crazy team, and you just met Nora. She's a skateboarder. We're also dating. We're just going public with this. Oh <laughs> shit! This is why. Yeah, I, I love it. All the breaking news on breaking the Kyle Chairman show. Yeah, that was breaking news. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll bring her out here in yeah, a little bit. We, we have a lot of TMZ, uh, <laughs> TMZ reporters that listen to this podcast. So yeah. It'll be out soon. Yeah, um, dude, that's so rad. Well, I, I feel like we're at this time too, where there's enough health information coming out that pro athletes that are repping shitty products are having a harder and harder time doing it because they get injured, and then they're like, "Ugh, I don't want to drink this shit," or like, "I don't want to rep this like." Matt, this sugar, you yeah. know, like it is. I I feel a time where you can compete in this economy with by having a a brand that stands for health and a kind of philosophy of longevity. Yeah, health and and also the environmental thing. Like, yeah, we do the one percent for the planet and all that. And oh, you do? That's cool. Yeah, and that's great. Yeah, I'm trying to make a or we're, I mean, we're gonna work on more and bigger projects. Obviously, yeah. I have a f- couple goals <laughs> with that. I want to make a movie that tells a story, like that helps the world, and then give the profits back. Hmm. Where it's like, 
I don't know. Uh, I'll, I'll talk to you more about this because you sounds, have ideas on sounds this. Sounds fucking stupid. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> fucking over this hippie shit, dude. How, like, how do you tell? I don't want people to come on my podcast and talk about environmental issues yeah. ever again. Exactly. I want to talk about. Let's talk ta- about action. Let's talk big about titties, action. What's going big on? Big titties, whorehouses, <laughs> cocaine. This is this is what my brand is all about. I know. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to get off topic yeah. there. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Got to keep you on story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, dude, I thought I was gonna get. I, I had Mickey Avalon on this podcast a couple weeks How ago. How did I go? I was. I've been meaning to listen to dude, that. Dude, he, he's he was so thoughtful and sweet <laughs> and like genuine. And we just talked about going body surfing. And he's like, he's he comes from Jewish uh, descent. And like he he recently went to uh, what's it called like Red. It, it was Red Day. Anyway, he, he's like, he knows all about Jewish history and Nazi Germany. And like, I was like, damn, I want to talk about hookers and cocaine. <laughs> like, way too thoughtful. Like, first Simon Rex and now you. Like, god damn it. Like, all of, it's, this is like, my great theory is that like, all of the, the quote unquote bad boys are actual, actually really thoughtful, genuine people. And then all of the namaste guru, uh, Public personas have serious anger issues I, on the inside. I totally back you that, dude. I 100%, completely back that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we won't. We won't. We won't name. It's just, yeah. Um, yeah. They're actually secretly the wildest ones. The wi- of course. They are. As soon as you like uncork that little persona, they're they're gone. <laughs> it's like a it's like a pressure cooker situation. It is. Like, <laughs> yeah, where you got to hang out with someone that's notoriously wild. They're just like. You're like, oh, yeah, oh, you're wow, just, you're you, just a normal person. You're, you're de- yeah, going to bed at 9 p.m. and doing breath work at 7 a.m. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? Um, that's cool that you're involved in a company uh, on this level where you are able to do it the way that you want. Because you, for so long, have been on the other side of it, where you're like, ah, I want to, you know, you probably want to make things happen, but can't, you know, uh, or feel kind of confined in a certain way. So to be able to to have a brand where you can go out and do the kind of projects that you want seems like a cool opportunity. It's been so fun. Yeah, and it's like the our whole team like if from every single one of our like um like um the people working the bar like the booch tenders we call them. <laughs> like every single one of them like we do everything together and it's just like it's made this summer the last like 6 months or so like it's kind of heavy like if <laughs> we have too much fun. And it's like it's so funny because I'm just like I'm terrified that it's gonna end eventually. <laughs> oh, it will. Yeah, I know. That's all. All good it things all- come to an end. But um, I'm just like, cause I like I said it the other day to Forrest, who's like, you know, my buddy who was one of the founders, and I was just like, dude, like we need to like soak this in, like right now. Like we're gonna look back on this, and however many years when this is done, you know, whatever happens, we sell or like you know, step away from these roles, we're we're gonna be like, wow, that was the time of our lives. <laughs> Yeah. And it's been cool, too, because we brought, like, a bunch of our friends. Like, even Dej is a part owner ambassador, too, and, like, all this stuff. That's great. So it's like, I just yeah. want to do more video projects, so. Yeah, enjoying that moment at the very beginning is something that uh, is really hard to miss because of the curse of ambition. You want to get it to the next step. You want to make it bigger. And then you don't run out of problems when you get there. You just come up with a new set of problems. Yeah, exactly. I, no, that was something I, I I think I realized that for the first time. I think I was 23 or whatever when me and my buddy Dej moved into Mission. And we just, like, he was working odd jobs. I was just starting to, like, make good money as a surfer. And 
we were still surfing all the time and we had like the best summer ever and like kind of like towards the end i was like because you never notice the times of your life until they're over like that's such a curse of just humans in general and i was like for the first time i was like oh shit like i'm having the time of my life right now and like i noticed it and it was almost like a bad thing but it was like a good thing i was like all right like i gotta like soak this up and like ever since that one moment where i actually like noticed the time of my life while it was happening i've been trying to pick them out as they come you know so i don't just like look back on it and be like oh wow that was the funnest thing ever i was like no this is the funnest thing ever right now like we're in it yeah man that's that's wisdom and there's no there's nothing that's only good or only bad you know, pure joy is for children because if you have a joyful experience as an adult, there is that little bit of sadness that it will come to an end. Yeah. You feel that, right? But that's that's life, right? That's the yin and the yang. That's that there's no only light and only dark. Like there is that little dark spot within that. I'm getting super deep right now. I know. You like well, that? Well, I think, I think part of it is when you're an adult, it's... Yeah, also looking back, you don't remember all the little things you had to do in between the good times. Right. But, like, as an adult, there's, like, this level of, yeah, it is a full yin and yang where the whole time you're having the time, like, the best times, you're having the funnest things. There's always, like, it feels like there's just this list of shit piling up behind you that you're not doing. Right. <laughs> and that's, like, the hardest thing about, like, going from a child to an adult where... Every time you're having fun, you're just getting further behind on all that shit you don't want to do. Right. Which is like a hard thing to come to grips with and like a hard just balance to mm. like not negotiate. Yeah, man. I, I felt that big time this winter or this past winter doing the Motherfucker Awards because I, I moved to L.A. for two months, tried to produce this big show, was stressing out, but also kept in mind that, look, I'm putting so much work into a joke. Like the motherfucker words is a punchline of a joke. Yeah. And I'm taking it so seriously. And I was, I was staying at my my aunt and uncle's house there. And my aunt gave me this great wisdom like a, f- a few days before the show. Because I was, I was so stressed, my hands wouldn't stop sweating. Like you ever just wake up and have a whole day of sweaty hands? All I hadn't. All the time. Dude, like a whole, like straight up it was just sweaty hands and sweaty feet. I would drink like half a cup of coffee and just be jittery. Like a door would slam and I'd fucking jump. Like that kind of stress, dude. <laughs> that kind of yeah, stress. That kind of stress. I just like so afraid that the night of all the comedians were going to cancel and I was just going to be left up there with my dick in my hands. Like, Jesus, that really blew this. And my my aunt said, punchline anyway. <laughs> yeah, hey guys. Yeah. She said, you know, Kyle, enjoy it because even if you do this another year, it's not going to be as special. It might be a different frequency of special, but it won't be that same first time special. Yeah, exactly. That's sick. And then, yeah, you probably took a step back. And was I like, took All a right. step back and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. And because I'll never be able to do this for the first time again. Right. And then my hands stopped sweating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But those, those are, uh, you, should we get Nora in? Yeah, we should. Let's do it. Yeah. We're in a little bit. Nora. Yeah. I'll she's, I, I was, uh, checking out her, her Instagram. She's an amazing skateboarder. Yeah, she she um what'd she do? She um patented purple. <laughs> patented purple? What does that mean? Her whole um she's just her whole thing is purple. All her shoes and everything. Like it's so funny, like in skating world when you think of lavender, you think of Nora. 
Like, she killed it by doing that. I always make fun of her for it. She's like UPS. They patented brown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah. It's Do you know that UPS was one of the first companies to try and patent a color? Did they actually patent it, though? I don't know if they successfully did, but they tried to patent that color brown. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a bad color to go after for the first time. Too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, want everyone to think of a big pile of shit when they think of their box coming <laughs> yeah, to the doorstep. Exactly. Amazing. <laughs> but you see companies do that. Like, McDonald's did that with yellow because uh, apparently yellow makes people hungry. No, doesn't it make them anxious, too, to where they don't sit down for a long time? <laughs> Probably. There is something that about that where all the, um, all the fast food places are painted these bright colors that you don't relax when you're in there. So you, like, eat and get out. And that's like, goes with the whole, like, fast food thing. Really? I've Someone told me that. I wouldn't doubt I've, it. I haven't researched it or anything, but I believe it. <laughs> it makes sense, right? Yeah. I, uh, I always wear dark blue on podcasts because it makes my guests relax. There you go. Yeah. See? Dude, you're working. like, Jesus, yeah. they just open and you up. you got UPS brown on the pants. I know. Because they're <laughs> like, hey, it's like a relaxed shit. That's what my guests think yeah. of me when they see me. Yeah. Like, look, you're, you're opening up about dating life, you know? I'm, see, I'm getting got, new information on this podcast. We got yellow on our um, June shine, so you pound it really quick and get rid of it onto mm-hmm. the next one. Make us more money. Um, <laughs> Well, not only this, but dude, owning a kombucha company, you must have the most diversified gut biome. What? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, for it's sure. Great, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, do you know about this? So there, there's uh, a new remedy to help people with various diseases, like autoimmune diseases, where they, they blast shit up their ass to help diversify their gut biome. Or like, like, not literal shit. Literal shit. Literal poop. Because uh, 90% of your neurotransmitters are in your gut yeah so um depending like for example you could take two uh twins at birth right and uh then one twin goes on a round of antibiotics so it it kills the diversity in their gut biome Um, and then they both eat the same diet one twin that took the antibiotics will not be able to absorb the nutrients in the food this as effectively as the other twin with the gut diversified gut biome Right, so gut biomes can affect your mood. It can affect your Im- immune system. And people with uh, with various diseases now, um, they're finding they can cure them by blasting shit up their ass from other people who have more diversified gut biomes. Jesus, that's wild. It's that super would be wild. a bummer to go to the doctor because he felt bad, and that's what he suggests. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, you know, you need like, a bunch of shit up your like, ass. Like, <laughs> so, Doc, I'm feeling down. Yeah, I'm. I just borderline suicidal like we have the remedy for you my friend we're gonna blast albie Lair's shit up your ass really nah i'm just fucking with you we wouldn't do that <laughs> what are you what are you stupid come on no but there's um there's this this tribe out in uh believe in the sudan what's it's some country in africa and uh they're called the hadza and the Hadza have been very minimally impacted by the outside world. So the diet of, you know, uh, diets of, of, of high sugar and carbohydrates, they haven't had this, right? So they have some of the most diverse uh, gut biome in the world. And there's a doctor, I'm trying to get on this podcast, named Dr. Jeff Leach. 
and uh, he goes out there and he takes poo samples. Of I mean, he's like six months too. He, he poo Jeff. That's his nickname. <laughs> That's such a wild. Stop being thing so immature, Albie. <laughs> this is science. I know it is. Just I actually had a friend though. I it's totally funny how the food affects your um your whole personality. Because I had a friend. I mean, I hate to do the whole gluten free thing, but he was um he was the a pretty much a dick. Basically, like the whole time I from the first couple of years I knew him, and he like did all these tests and found out he was just like gluten intolerant, like on a really high level. He probably had celiac disease. Yeah, exactly. And then he cut it out, and it completely changed who he is as a person, like wildly. Where he's <laughs> yeah. just like the nicest guy. He got way skinnier, and he's just like stoked on everything now, like a totally different person. I was just like. I've always wondered, like, fuck, should I go check what I'm if what I'm eating is good or bad for me? Yeah, man. Because uh, like, you can just feel like shit your whole life, and if you think it's normal, there's no like you don't know. Like you just like like a lot of people probably just he went his like whole life thinking like, oh, everyone just feels terrible after they eat and has like bad stomach problems. Like that's just was normal for him forever, and then all of a sudden he's just like, oh, no, I just gotta change what I eat, and I can like. Have a normal digestive. Yeah, thing. I, I can, can like people. Yeah. It can really, it can actually go with the difference between liking someone and not. And when you think about it, like, for me, if I'm in a bad mood or if I feel depressed, I can't do really any of my jobs. I can't write. I can't podcast. I like it. It f- affects my ability to live my life in such a fundamental way, and it can be the difference between. Um, having exercise that day and not. Yeah. We're such pussies, dude. We're so sensitive to what we put in our body and the people who are around us and the thoughts that we think. I know. It's... I know. It's... It it makes the difference, man, because your friend who got off of... uh, who, who got off gluten could go invent some amazing creation or, or do some piece of art that changes the world in some great way. Well, he's raising kids now that are probably going to be the most amazing kids in the world. So it's like, yeah, that was like the difference. Right. Is like, who knows like how much better he is at everything. Cut out some bread and Cheetos. Yeah, that's all you needed to do. Yeah. Oh, it's just, they're so good though. <laughs> they're so good. Yeah, well, that's another problem, right? Is like... I know all of this, and I'm speaking, like, you know, from my high mountaintop, and then I still don't make good decisions. Oh, man. It's so hard. <laughs> I mean, it's so hard. I still do that, too, because I know, like, what was it? I watched the whole, um, because, you know, what is it? Palm oil is, like, one of the worst things for the world. Like, oh, yeah. As at all. And it's, like, pretty easy to... What was the the Leonardo DiCaprio movie like? Basically, gave you a list fire and, of fire and ice or ice and before the flood. Before the flood, yes. Yeah, it gives you a list of all the the companies that do the palm oil thing, and I remember looking at it like, all right, fuck all those guys, <laughs> I'm out. And then you know, you're just like, I still cave in occasionally. Like, I'll be on a road trip and I'll just like you're stop like, in a gas station. But are Pringles like, that bad? I was like, I need Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, 
it's, I, it's so it's I don't it, want Cheetos. I need Cheetos. I need Cheetos. Yeah, palm oil is a big one. They they were gonna win uh, a motherfucker award last year. We ended up switch changing the cat they were gonna win the fire category. So we have six categories in the show. It's land, air, water, fire, spirit, and reality. So spirits for outstanding efforts to break the human spirit, fires for outstanding efforts to turn our earth into a post apocalyptic hellscape. <laughs> and it was <laughs> airs to make our air more visible, our atmosphere more visible. Um, anyway, uh, we were going to nominate them for fire uh, because one of the big issues with palm is they burn, burn the down forest, all the so forests they replant, so right? they can monocrop palm. Um, we ended up shifting the category last minute to PG&E because they're responsible for 17 of the last 21 California wildfires due to um, uh, unmaintenanced power lines. So but it, it sucks that there's a tight race for that. There's a t- <laughs> dude, there's a lot of tight race. People are always like, "Are you gonna run out of nominees?" I'm like, "Dude, if only you, you knew the kind me? of research <laughs> yeah. that I'm doing." Anyway, um, Palm is uh, is really interesting because so uh, a huge amount of the grocery products have palm oil in them, but it can only palm oil can only be used in this very specific part of the world. It's it's Indonesia and Malaysia yeah. because of the temperature. Uh, it needs to be a very specific temperature for, for palm to grow in the way that they get the, um, that uh, we're getting Nora out here, that, uh, that they get the oil from it. But yeah, then it's put into cereals. It must have to be super humid. Those yeah. places are just... But yeah, just, um, I met these two girls a number of years ago who were Girl Scouts, and they learned that Girl Scout cookies have controversial palm oil with no, all kinds of come human on. rights. Come I know, on, dude, don't tell me dude, this. I'm, I'm, every time you sit down with me, man, I'm just going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you <laughs> yes. down to the depths of all I'm not recovering horrible from that. stuff yeah but they uh, they, did they they started a <laughs> no no they started a a campaign against girl scout cookies to get them to take palm out of no what's the good girl scout cookies Samo- samoas samoas i don't know come on the ones that they taste like s'mores. Oh, they're so good. No, I'm I'm a thin. What's the thin, thin mint? mint? Come on, really? I'm a thin mint kind of guy. No. Wait, no. Well, there's also the little circles with the holes inside of them. That's the ones I'm talking Those about. Those are good. Fuck, they're good. Yeah. Nora, what are they called? What's a Girl Scout cookie with the hole inside? S'mores. S'mores. Nora. Nora the Explorer. Hi. Oh, she doesn't have... Headphones. I don't have headphones. Is that okay? You're good. Yeah, you're great. Just uh, speak closely into the microphone. We got a pro skater on the mic. Hi. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Uh, we're, we're doing well. We've successfully not talked about surfing once oh. in this podcast. We've gone through what? flying lessons. We've gone through palm oil. It's been a real... Uh, we've talked about blasting shit up our asses to <laughs> diversify uh, gut biome. So welcome. Whoa. Yeah. Wait, these are all things I know nothing about. Uh, <laughs> you don't want to know about the um, Recap. shit up the ass. Nah. Is that technically an enema? Uh, N- no. Oh. That's way worse. People put shit up their ass to diversify. <laughs> <laughs> diversify the gut biome. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know about probiotics? Albie brought it up with his whole June shine shit. Are people shooting June shine up their butt? Because <laughs> I don't want to hear about this yet. <laughs> that's our new market. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. How are you feeling? Are you healthy? I'm good. How's I don't it, how's know. How's your gut biome? I, I hope it's good. I, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Albie just put the headphones yeah. on me, and so I can hear myself. How, how old are you? 
26. 26. <laughs> nice. How's the body of a pro skater? How you feeling? Pretty good. Pretty solid? I don't, I'm not jumping down too much stuff, so so far so good, knock on wood. Nice. Are you more of a transition skater? Yeah, much nice. more transition. Um, lately, much more surfing, so I'm definitely taking, I've taken a little hiatus from from filming or anything the last couple weeks yeah do you have any surf skate sponsors like duo um sponsors i guess swatch is one because i get to go like hang out with all the girls that ride for swatch and surf with them but nobody like i don't really think any of my sponsors have like seen me surf or know i can surf so i mean double threat eventually i mean when those next contracts are up yeah it's gonna be you know hey it's gonna have to be talked about let's, let's double up yeah um i feel like they're i feel like it makes somewhat we're, we're talking about the surf skate duo mm. albie's sponsors have not yet raised his contracts although he is now an avid pilot Pilot. I think that that raises his mountain biker. I'm profile. getting on the skate train now. He's Are skating. You? He's dropping in. Oh, that's doing I'm gonna learn how to skate good. Are yeah, you? he's I doing mini stuff. ramps though. You don't get too hurt in mini ramps. You don't. No, I I grew up skating mini ramps. I had a half pipe in my backyard my whole life and never really got injured on that. But it's it's the big cement stuff that you can get hurt on, and it's the street skating. Obviously, you don't see a lot of like 45 year old street skaters in the X Games. Mm, yeah, no. You don't you see a lot of 45 year old skaters. They're still around, though. Dude, there's Andy, a handful. No, I, they're I, everywhere. They're everywhere. I had Andy McDonald on this podcast this morning, and that dude, then we went down to the skate park. He is amazing. They're all 40. Yeah. Five. Yeah. They're like big how, wave surfers. How amazing First was, skaters are like the they're like the big wave surfers. How amazing was Tony Hawk's video of him doing the 900 at 50? That's Did so you heavy. see that? Yeah. That was one of the most amazing things I've ever like where I watched that and I was just like gave me so much hope. Just <laughs> cuz for him to be able to do that cuz he was the best at what he does and to still be able to do that trick. Did you ever do you watch that video? No, I haven't seen this. So it it was like on his 50th birthday, right, or something? Yeah, it was around that time. He also did, like, he put out a part in the last, like, year or two where he, like, it was all vert stuff, but he had learned so many things and still stuff, like, nobody can really touch. And so to see him, like, learning tricks, that's it, like, impresses me even more. It doesn't impress me more than him doing a 900, like, at the age he's at, but I think to, like, learn stuff, like, the way your mind, I think, would change over time must be... Like, I feel like you just ha lose motivation for certain things. Right. Like, no, I don't need to learn how to do this. I've well, you done need, this. You need to fight against what the culture tells you about for learning. Sure. Exactly. We yeah. live in a culture that tells you that you're done learning in 12th grade. We were talking about mm -hmm. this earlier. No, yeah, exactly. It's, evil. it's so evil. It's so evil. But yeah, I... I so I, I told you earlier that I felt like I was stupid growing up because I was not a good test taker. Mm -hmm. I could not sit still. Yeah. I would do great on... Uh, public present like on presentations and I would do great on like in the field work like I love I would go out and I would make videos and those are the only times I would get an A but I could not take tests um, and then when I was a junior in high school I read this book called The Art of Learning by a guy named Josh Waitskin you guys ever heard of this guy so there was a movie made about him uh, called Searching for Bobby Fisher okay. you guys are, so he was this chess prodigy who then shifted from chess to um to I believe jujitsu and became one of the world champions in jujitsu. He's just like probably so dynamic. He's like, so dynamic, and so the the book that he wrote, The Art of Learning, is all about his process learning. And I read this thing, and I was like, 
this is the shit. And I ended up doing an, an independent college program and totally shifted my life where I started like having more self-esteem about myself intellectually. Like I was always good. I grew up skating yeah. and, and surfing. I was like pretty good at that stuff. So I'd get my self-esteem there, but never intellectually until this guy broke down the learning process for me. And he was like, look, the people think that kids are great, are better learners than adults. That's just something that people told you. Yeah. Like, yeah, kids have some. I need to read this. Book. Kids have some serious <laughs> issues that. with learning some sometimes. Yeah. And, I mean, and if you can take an adult brain and apply that to learning a new skill, like man, you can be unstoppable. And you yeah. see people that really apply that, and they, you know, I'm sure Tony Hawk's doing that. I need to apply that. That sounds so. That's insane. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like. It's it gets I have a harder and harder time with it because I know I'm jinxing myself into thinking that way, but I also like I go and c- compete and it's always um, just oh, Mike, Mike closer. Closer. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's there's always like I compete with kids that are half my age or younger and I it's exhausting because you're constantly compared to them and then you're start you see them learning things and you're like how is this? And yeah, you start to like question your own abilities. And I think that that's, it's not healthy, but I think it's super easy to get into that, uh, kind of mental state of, of constantly thinking like that. So Mm. I'd like to learn how to break my barriers down and learn differently. I want to talk to you about, so skateboarding (laughs) as surfing did got into the Olympics this year. What are your thought, thoughts on that, Nora? She has some opinions about this. It must be, it's it's such a trip. Um, it's a trip because two years ago when it was being talked about, um, things were different. I think I was definitely in a better position contest wise. The grouping of girls was an eighth of the size it is now. And literally, I just think because of, um, the women's market growing so much and then just because of Olympics now being a thing and it being a real thing and we know when and where it's kind of like there's just been this influx of people in something that used to be very small and it's really hard why is it hard to deal with um for me the reason why it's hardest for me is because when it comes to skateboarding for me I'm way more like artistically driven and driven on like a level of what do I want to do and what do I want to accomplish and I could care less about the other stuff um so it's hard because that isn't none of that's really taken into account like style um all of those things that I've always had so much respect for in skateboarding that kind of goes down the drain when it comes to like the Olympic path it's very much about you know our contests are run completely differently um we're skating with all different people we've never really skated with before and yeah I, I think nothing could have prepared me for the changing of the guard that's happening has the women's uh olympic team already been picked are you um there has been an initial team picked based off of one contest result or no that's wrong based off of a few contest results that weren't really even um olympic sanctioned events but basically vans park series is a huge series that we have and we've had for years now is that different than the warp tour yes (laughs) yeah yeah it's like Vans Park Series is like the street league of park and transition skateboarding, um, where street league is um, the, all the street obstacles. And kind of for a while, it was under the we were all under the impression that 
Street League was going to become sanctioned to be the qualifying events for, um, yeah, there it is. There it is. <laughs> Street League was going to become the qualifying um, circuit for the Olympics, and then we thought the same was going to happen with Vance Park Series. So it was a format that we were pretty used to judging. We were pretty used to all of that stuff. But this past year, which is the first kind of qualifying year of the Olympics season 2019, um, we learned that that's not the case. And basically World Skate, which is run by um, World like Roller Sports, it's just like what is running skateboarding in the Olympics. They are now having to come up with events for us. Huh. And it's very, it is a shit show. Huh. So is the judging criteria shifted? Everything has shifted. And it changes kind of event to event. Um, basically, um, it's a free-for-all. Right. So give me an example. You're, you're right. at one I'll of these give you an, events. I'll give you a perfect example. So... Um, for a contest, bowl and transition contests are much different than street in the terms of in a bowl contest, you're trying to put together one run that is going to get the highest points and you don't get off your board because you'll get disqualified if you fall or step off your board. Um, and you're supposed to link up tricks in a bowl utilizing like the bowl, the transition features in the park while, you know, keeping maintaining your speed and doing big tricks, right? We're in street. Their format, their formula is different. So they have two runs, which they can get off the board at any time, but they just have to connect tricks. So you can go do a trick on a rail, hop off the board, run up to a quarter pipe, set up for, you know, the next trick on another obstacle where in bowl it's just like one run. And then in street, they also have a section of the contest that is allotted to doing best tricks. So the progressions obviously push through the roof because you're not worried about making you know, you can blow the run section and then pull it together with, like, four best tricks because I think that's how, how many they have. They have, like, two runs and three or four best trick attempts. Huh. Um, so that's rad because that progresses that field and lets kind of all different types of skaters shine. Where the bowl is, like, three or four runs, you fall, you're out. Huh. And that's just one aspect of it. And then, you know, now we're getting this huge influx of young girls, girls from all over the world, because everybody can qualify for their country. They can qualify, you know, you can be born in America. You can um, have family from, you know, Finland. You cannot speak any Finnish, but you can be skateboarding for the Finnish team. Right. So that's happening Do you think you should not be able to do that? I don't think you shouldn't be able to do that. I think people are doing that because, you know, they know they're like, oh, I can, A, I can, I can make the team. I can qualify for Finland, yeah, but maybe not the Yeah, it's happening in the US. surfing, too. Yeah, yeah they, can, they can make the team. Um, you know, part of me is just like, you know, if I'm, go if I'm going to do the Olympics, I'm going to do it for America because that's where I'm from. I only speak English. Um, my knowledge of other countries is limited. So that's just who that's. Do you just, have any other options? N I don't know. You want to? I don't know. I'm like fourth, <laughs> fourth generation American. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, you're screwed then. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, but it's fine because I truly think like, I just, that's just hmm. who I, I just wouldn't make sense for me. Right. It wouldn't make sense for you to switch. But yeah, yeah but yeah, we have that in surfing too where you yeah, have American surfers. Everybody's thing jumping. right now. Right. It's so weird. The whole Olympic thing is a trip. Like, I wonder how it's going to long-term affect. Because both the skateboarding and surfing, I mean, and snowboarding was the same way. Remember, we were, we were talking about down. with our snowboarder friends the other day, like, just the way it changes when it gets put onto that stage. It's just like, I, I mean, there's parts of it that are cool that I, like, appreciate. Like, I, I mean, I watched 
the Olympics last yeah. year and watched Sean White do we his were, like final we were run. Geeking out about yeah, that. I remember on the last it was podcast. like the coolest we thing like in the wor- world. Pulled, yeah, wet our pants and we're jumping but up. But at the and same down time, them. like you talk to snowboarders and and it feels like they lose a lot of the culture that mm. like makes those things so special to them when it gets put on the to this world stage. So it's like it's such a weird thing. I think it's also just like a rat race, like. I mean, that's what we've seen in skateboarding is everybody's like it's trying Sean White's to fault, dude. Yeah, everybody's trying to gather it. Everyone's trying to gather themselves and basically like be one of like the three people because that's what happened. That's what we're under the understanding is that there's going to be like three girls for street, three guys for street, three girls for park, three guys for park. So that's only 12 skaters. I, I'm assuming they'll pick an alternate, so 16 skaters for the Olympics going from America, and that's like a very small amount in terms of like the actual ability level is just so vast. It's not like there's only a few or only a couple or only a dozen pros that are at that level. There are so many insane people who skateboard and win. And, and there's so many different ways to define that level. Yeah. Like there's so many that are better at different things, like, oh, that better style or whatever. It's just weird. You guys are a match made in heaven. You guys are just <laughs> opinionated yeah. in your own sports. You, you're, you're getting it out there. Um, she, she was trying to trick but, the other day and uh, sent it to me. And we like I talked about the struggle of trying a new trick. And it helped me so much. <laughs> so heavy. I was like, me. whoa, I know exactly what you're going through. Wow. Yeah, Let's and talk then about this. It, well, it was gnarly because it was a trick I had been trying at a specific spot for like two years. It's so much pressure. So it was the, it, she had her whole part filmed for that new part um, in a skate movie. She had like a full part. In what's, the, a, what's the skate movie? Seance. It's Welcome's um, new full length. Okay. Which is amazing that skaters are still making movies i went to it and i was just so jealous i was like dude a surf company hasn't made a surf movie and i don't know how long and i was like but so she had her whole part filmed with just a blank space at the end of it that just said make it just had her trying the trick twice and falling and then it just said make across the screen (laughs) so just sitting there waiting for her to do it and it's like it's so funny and skating like that thing's there it's but that's but the annoying part is is like I can try a trick for two years and it's on the exact same spot and it's not like a moving obstacle. It's like all up to me to do it. Where like seeing Albie struggle with like the alley five or the seven or anything he's done, it's so crazy because he has way less attempts and he does it way faster than I do. Yeah, but <laughs> I don't have to stress about it all the time. You had to stress about that every day because every day you could have gone and tried this it. This is true. And it what was the trick? You. It's a, I'm just a kickflip back lip on this spot in Oceanside. It's called Bob's Ditch. It's like this guy, Bobby Long. He is a skater, Oceanside local dude. He and his brothers all skate and kind of are in the industry, and he owns a company called Bumbag. But he's just, you know, grew up in Oceanside, has kind of grown up in that scene, and he basically kind of, like, built out this ditch, and it's this really interesting, like, hip into a ditch. But what happens is you can ride up the hip pretty smoothly, and then it turns into a ditch you can grind. But what happens is it goes from this retaining wall that's kind of a slight slant bank into like a full wall. So if you get into a trick and continue going, you have to like hold the trick back because you can't come into a straight wall. You have to like go into the bank. So it's just like it's a sick spot because it's like totally sick and perfect in its own right. But it's difficult. And so. it's. Okay, and no one had done that trick before. Yeah, no, not on that. 
so it was cool. And and you texted Albie with the struggle. Oh, this yeah. is this is this is damn good TMZ content <laughs> right, right, right here. Oh, I'm, I'm the fucking TMZ of pro athletes. <laughs> <You> are, <laughs> well, I was like losing. News. I was losing my mind. And like it was sick though to see her run out of it. She's in the video after, and she just sprints out of it like. Ah! I was so stoked. I've like won contests, and I've had like other great things happen on my skateboard, but. I don't know. There's nothing like landing something that you've wanted to land. Well, dude, actually, soon after our last podcast, you did your alley oop, and on Maui. Was that right after? I think that was right after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we didn't talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, but we didn't talk about any of the surfing. No, we never do. (laughs) Yeah, we never do. (laughs) We never do. (laughs) Just June shine enemies. Yeah. What What do you mean though about like the struggle of trying to learn a new trick? Because this kind of ties back to what we were talking about early on, which is that Albie and I started our podcast super deep, and then we made out while you're inside. (laughs) But but we were were talking about how boredom is just this um, lack of ability to pay attention to what's happening. Right and, and yeah. concentration, whether it be pain or learning a new trick, is something that brings us a lot of joy. Yes, like you could take it super deep and and say that even um, like people that that cut themselves or something. Yeah, what's like, the term like for it's somebody? It's just cutting. It, it's just concentration, right? Yeah. So to have the concentration to try and pull off something that no one has ever done, uh, or something that no one has ever done, is a uh, I would imagine a lonely space to be. Well, it's like you need that, like we were talking about, like when you stop learning new things, you Life like sucks. start dying. <laughs> you start dying. Dude. Yeah. That's it. Oh. You're done. What a, that's so it. Sad. So sad. And like, and when you get like, you know, good at a sport or like that top level, that little like the unknown gets smaller and smaller and smaller, the better you get. And that's like such a like weird little space to operate in to try and figure like something new out it just gets smaller and smaller and harder and harder but i, I guess it gets yeah. more rewarding what do, what do you think keeps you going to keep trying new stuff i mean it might be as simple as it's, not not getting bored but no, like you, you've you've uniquely continued to try and push that edge where i mean you came from you, you growing up were fairly unsuccessful and that you were getting Sponsored and dropped. He was on my wall. He was. He was. On my wall. You were not the golden child. Let's put it that (laughs) way. Was not. You were not. But then, but now you're in this space where you're continuing to try new shit in a where a lot of people uh, are like, "Cool, I've made it. I'm solid. I'm getting paid to surf." And I think that we're all talking about the same thing here, which is that little mindset to try it's just and like a do demon, something new but it's like a nice demon but it's in it's like a little oh what's the word it's it, a fear <laughs> of boredom in a way though it's like that and that, if nothing's gonna make me that happy yeah the fear of being like <laughs> stagnant or like like it is like when you stop doing something new yeah you just you start withering away and dying. Well, it's kind of like the same reason that I like pursued skating in the beginning because it was like the most, it was like the least lucrative path in terms of like what I could have ended up doing with my life. In ter- that's kind of based off of just the his like the lack of women in skateboarding and also where I was from. And, you know, like I graduated honors from high school. I got into college as I could have gone to college and done half a dozen things. But I think, 
my biggest thing was I'm not going to try to do anything as hard. I'm not going to, how's the best way to word this? Put as much effort into, into anything, anything else. else. Yeah. And that was kind of the magic of it. I was like, oh, there's my, that's my decision. Well, let's have it. We just finish each other's sentences. <laughs> <laughs> just the two of us. We can make it try. Just the two of us. You and I. Girls, put up photos of surfers in your bedroom growing up. One day you'll be dyeing their hair black and listening to them play the piano. So... Uh, do you think that the solution is that we just have more, the solution to this, um, kind of, uh, mono culture competition lacking, you know, uh, we, it gets to a certain stage and we lose our culture. We're judged on this very narrow scale of what surfers and skaters are actually celebrated to do, which is in some ways art do you think that the solution to that is to create more um spaces where different artists can exist whether it be the austin air show that we just saw yes you think that's the solution i i think that's just like the the natural um growth and natural progression of any kind of action sports i think so many of us got into it yeah because we love it and stuff but you know, one of the things that got me to go to the skate park and try things was not making the soccer team and being totally, you know, outcast from, you know, a group of girls at school and feeling the worst I'd ever felt in my life and being like, well, I can go do this and this makes me happy and I'm not, like, no one's watching me and judging me and saying I can and can't sit with them. (laughs) Yeah, and you find a little home in it. Yeah. But no, like... It is. I don't know how, because that's been my biggest problem with surfing is like how it's just want starting to become one thing. Like, and when you do it, you know how far that is from the truth. Hmm. But I don't know how to. I don't know how to fix that. To answer your question, I don't. I guess you just have to like when you, like you have to like fight for it and just like force it into people's face because you know like people want to see everything else and. They want to see all different parts of surfing. They don't want to just see the one type yes. of contest or whatever it is. I think it's because everyone on some level feels pigeonholed. When mm-hmm. they're introduced, oh, this is my friend Tom. He works at Twitter. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I'm I'm also into sand art. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? Oh, this is Laura. She's an amazing dancer. And like, yeah, but I, you know, I also work at Twitter. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but like, we are uh, vast species, and we want to be seen and reflected yeah. as that. And I don't and think people like being defined in one box because no. people are so dynamic and multifaceted, and I think. A lot of times it's it's easy to um to yeah, to get stuck. Yeah, pigeonholed. Right. You get so yeah, labeled as a surfer. Right. <laughs> like it sucks. And it's like dude, like there's a bunch of different people that surf. Like <laughs> there's also okay, there's <laughs> also like anybody can call themselves like a surfer or like a like I don't know. It's just the label well, of it is just so funny. Well also we're in an age where if if you say you do it, 
that's almost as good as doing it. Yeah. Mm. Right? It's true. Yeah. Influence. If you want to if you want to do it, yeah, Dude, just I could say make you do myself it. look like you could get a pretty a good surf profile going. A professional yeah. I could help you out. Sand artist. In between that <laughs> and, and just artist. like posing tricks on my skateboard, it's crazy what somebody can accomplish via social I media and posing tricks on my Well, and it's interesting actually. too yes. when you start feeling that momentum move in a certain way. I've felt it only on a micro scale, but I've gotten uh, pretty into bow hunting over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I still suck though. And whenever I say I'm oh I'm into this, I need to say I suck because like I'm into this. I'm elementary. <laughs> yes, I'm into this. I'm elementary because people then see me and they're like, oh yeah, cool. Like, you bow hunt just like mm. all those people that really bow hunt. Yeah. And I'm like, no, not like them. There's layers to the game that you only understand when you're in the game. That's great because I get the opposite where I'm like, oh I skateboard, and they're like, oh did you just start skateboarding <laughs> you're like, i'm like yes <laughs> i did <laughs> oh, that's like yeah with flying like i just barely learned how a plane works where like there's i can't imagine what some there's, of the pilots there's know tom cruise yeah. and top gun exactly Dude. yeah yeah uh what did you i, I want to get your thoughts on the austin wave th- that contest I thought it went really well. Yeah, it was so it was so fun judging. Honestly, like at first I was super nervous just to piss everyone off, like we talked about. But once I like we got in there and we just like, kind of had like it was super informal. We just had like a meeting where we just like told people what we want, and I was like kind of pretty like kind of a not a, like a dick, but like really straightforward about what I didn't want to see. Surprising. What, what, <laughs> did, what did you not want to see? I didn't want to see straight air. So I was like, if you do straight air, it better be somehow unique. Like, you better be boning it out, like, or bringing it back or kicking a foot off or something. And, and like, I don't know. I felt I was confident in these decisions because I, I got one. I'm not doing yeah. it. Because cool. I, I know what it takes to do those airs. So I was like, I just, like, I, like, I was proud of myself for like standing my ground. I was like, no, like this is, I know it's hard. I know it's good. Like I'm going to stand by this. But it was so like, our judging panel was so like, they were really good because it was like me, Brett Simpson, Shay Magnuson, Shay Lopez, Gorkin, and Mike, the guy who works for Stab, who's also a really good surfer. And um, the way we did it is we were like completely transparent with everything we did. We're like, so we all gave one through 10. And it was added up to like a total of like out of 50. So like a five would be a 25. And so to get those scores, we all just talked about it. Like we're like, all right, what's our initial thoughts? Like, okay, it's between a seven and an eight. Like, all right. Then we looked at the list of tricks we had and the scores we gave. And we're like, all right, is it better or worse than this one? Is it better or worse than this one? Like, oh, it's just worse than that one. Like, all right, like we're going to go 34 then. And like, or yeah, 38 or whatever it was. So it was like. I don't think we messed up the whole time, really. Like, uh, yeah. And no there were one. a lot of uh, airs that I had never seen before. It was so cool. It Guys was so cool. Yeah. Miola dog. Dude, I wanted yeah. him to win so bad. He won the qualifier, which is arguably just as hard as winning the event. But with uh, Describe the air that he did. So he did a, we call it, I guess, a McTwist, but like with a double grab. See, this is why I asked Nora <laughs> these things. Well, he d- he filmed a McTwist the day before. Well, you did the same thing in the contest. Yeah, but he, gra- he did a double grab. Yeah, he did. He did he did one without? No, he did a double grab one. Yeah. I, he did the same thing in the qualifier, not in the final. And then um, on the 
front side wave on his left, he did like we were calling it like a Madonna. It's like surfing's version of a Madonna where he kicks the leg out on the heel side. But it was sick because everyone from the year before, like we were kind of just figuring it out. I, I I was like I helped him put on that event like a bit, like all the formats and setting the scale and all that stuff. And this year was like so much easier because that already all happened. So everyone knew what went well and what didn't as far as running the event. And also the surfers knew like what was possible, like so much more. And everyone tried something new. It was so sick. But the, the final was the sickest thing ever because everyone was like, like back to back to back. It was so cool to see. We were talking about like the flow state, you know, where everything's just clicking and how it happens in a group setting. And you could see it like judging all day you could see it so much like as soon as one person landed a trick the odds of the next guy landing his trick went up by like 50 (laughs) percent and like and so on and so on and in the final everyone started clicking and just like back to back to back everyone was stomping everything and there there was that i don't know if you saw there's a huge thunderstorm coming in that was gonna end the event like you could tell you're like oh shit it's almost over and it was coming in and they were like getting their last waves in and last reps and then like they still had one wave left technically and there's like the loudest crack of lightning hit and like where everyone's just like, all right, it's over. Like Chip had wow. just landed a big trick. It was like such exciting. And everyone like <laughs> they came in, gave him the trophy. We sprinted in and just lightning like rain. It just started going nuts. We were all just like under That's and started partying. So radical. A crack of lightning Dude. strikes when Chip was Wilson so funny does I was sitting next final to him. air. That's <laughs> like when Trump won in 2016 and he gave his speech and it started raining. Mm. <laughs> It's just our whole country crying. <laughs> God oh, crying. Even God. Even, even God God's stepped in for this up. one. It's like, oh, shit. Damn it. That, that, Chip How Wilson's there is like, like God doing a little finger snap. Yeah. Like, woo, that was like, <laughs> That's so sick. It was, it was so crazy, though. And then we just like sat underneath and we're all partying and it was just like watching the thunder go crazy. Yeah. That's Not great. Watching lightning, we can't watch thunder. <laughs> you cannot watch thunder. Not yet. Thanks for that. That'll be the name of Albie's next movie. You, can't you watch cannot thun- watch thunder. thunder. Can't watch thunder. I'm watching thunder. thunder. <laughs> watching thunder. <laughs> yes. Write it down. Yes. <laughs> this is great. Now we know. <laughs> what else, guys? Albie has a movie coming out called Watching Thunder. Yeah, it's gonna be a banger. Watching thunder and it's just Albie pl- flying planes. Just Albie <laughs> farting. You could just do. You, you could do a. a <laughs> you invite everyone to a new movie premiere, and it's like these podcasts. People are like, oh, <laughs> Albie Lair, and then you're like, shit. They didn't talk about surfing once. It's like they go to the premiere and it's just Albie flying planes the yeah. whole time. Like, he like only wears bull- aviators and doesn't take them off. What is this bullshit? Or just go to the, the is, premiere and just show the audio. Is, do you <laughs> wear play do, the audio? Sorry. Albie, do you wear aviators now that you're into? No, flying? it's so funny though. I swear to God, when you when you graduate. I mean, graduate, you must get them because every single person has the same pair there. <laughs> I haven't asked my instructor I was yet, yet, but I was like, dude, like, do they give you those when you, like, graduate? But I think they just all buy them for whatever reason. <laughs> like, I don't well, know. Well, it goes to show uh, people that are are kind of into the sport dress like they're really into the sport. Like, I wear my hunting pants and order coffee. Yeah. I'm like, hey, yeah, I'll take a 
an Axis deer and a single <laughs> latte. <laughs> 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 and then I go out to Hawaii with yes. all the real badasses, and they're in like jeans and a t-shirt. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. Shit. I, 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 I zigged when I should have zagged. Oh, I bought <laughs> um, I bought the, the super nice like bows and noise canceling um, headphones for flying. And like you could tell, the instructors were just totally making fun of me. Just yeah. like, oh, cool, like you got those. Like, what is this your sixth flight? Yeah, <laughs> I thought they were for gaming. <laughs> <laughs> they, they showed up. I was like, "God damn it!" See, yeah, see, gaming. I use like the basic model because I'm actually really good at gaming. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because the better you get at something, the less you care about those. Well, and the more it's like perfection is not the moment when you can no longer add something, but when you can no longer take anything away. Ooh, isn't that good? Beautiful. That was a really good quote. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. But I think that that's the. Let's wrap it all around here. We've been talking about the process of learning. When you get to the highest level, it's the most simple. Like, it takes understanding something completely to explain it simply. Yeah. And, and to I, do it simply. Yeah. So you see the people that are the best at hunting, and they can do it in jeans and a t-shirt. You see people that are the best at, at surfing, and it becomes a much more simple pursuit because you're able to focus on the most important things then every, everything else is just a yeah, detail. Yeah and you ignore all the little nuances that Which would is like bother you. the industry bullshit like you industry sells mostly to people who are just getting into the sport because they're like yeah, holy shit I need rash guard and a nose plug and I need my <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Their friends aren't hooking them up they don't got anyone to get them on their own flow program. Right. Yeah, exactly. That's so, yeah. But no, that does make sense. When you do get to that top level, you care about very few things within the sport. Right. Only the things that actually matter. And you have to get to that level to actually learn what those are. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. See, like, I'm worried about my outfit when I go over and skate at Nora's, but she just wears whatever and goes and skates. I hope you're going to get good at skating. I'm it's going to be sick. Do, do you know what's funny? Is the first time I ever met you, I don't know if you remember this, we went and skated the Sector 9 Bowl with Ricky Whitlock. Oh, my God. How fun was that bowl? Yep. Did you I ever skate that? No, I don't want to talk about it. It was in it, Carlsbad. Is it gone now? I think it's still there. It's gone. Is, is it, it gone? The indoor one? Yeah. yeah. Yep, it's gone. No. Bread and butter How fun ball. was that? Dude, oh, that was so fun. That bowl looked amazing. It yes. looked so good. Yeah, that was that was great. Someday. I, I rode for Sector 9 for a long time. Good from when you. I was like 16. Yeah, those guys were they were awesome. Do you know fun. the guy from Hand Plant Shop? EG. Yeah, he's I love a good EG. Dude. Yep, I gotta hang. I'm gonna hang with EG shortly. Hell yeah. Yep. Tell EG I say, what is up? I sure will. I he's sure will. The homie. People listening to this podcast are like, shut the. I wanna die. I wanna die. I can't been listening to an hour and a half, and I haven't even heard Albie Lair talk about what it's like to surf a big wave at Jaws. This is bullshit. He is talking about the most inside stories. No, the best thing ever. I'm fucking done with this. The best thing ever was being at Fish 101 last night and sitting there, and they always have some surfing and stuff on the TV, and they had like these Red Bull like Jaws sessions on the TV. And I wasn't even facing the TV, but. Like Albie was, and then the, there was like young girls next to us watching it, and an old older guy next to on his other side watching it, and it's so great to see the reactions of people who you know don't surf big waves watching it while they're eating dinner mm. and just being like, oh my god! And I like was you, just sitting there like this day sucked. Yeah. This day sucked. It was so crowded. <laughs> and he, so he's bad. just sitting there and like they have no idea he's like right here, and then like. 
I'm quiet because like I'm trying to like impress Albie, so I'm not trying to like geek out over it. <laughs> but like, <laughs> it's so crazy. So you grew up having posters of Albie on your wall. Yeah, one shot one, maybe in a huge collage. She's overselling it. In the six we, months, you don't that know this. Albie I could be. I could be. Uh, maybe you're underselling it to me. Yeah, All exactly. Right. How'd so you just guys, take it for what it is? How'd you guys meet? She, I, she, I'm a team manager. <laughs> I, I'm a team manager. Dude. I manage the June Shine team. <laughs> <laughs> Dream come true. Play your cards right. Yeah. You're going to get me too, man. <laughs> Albie was being very <laughs> inappropriate. Yes. Dude, what did I say the other day? I killed it with a one liner. My boss was being very inappropriate with me at work. <laughs> no, we were talking about Pepe Le Pew and then how like he was in love. Was it. Who was the one oh, in love with the Pepe cat? Yeah, but who was no? Pe- the conversation Mitude? started off. Oh, that's with, funny. Yes, right. That's that's a good. So line. the con- appropriate was that cartoon. Just oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was but a I'm, creeper. That right? So yeah. he was a creeper. Yeah. And but he liked the cat who had the white on her. Yeah, she got spray painted. Yes. You Regardless, you better remember a one-liner. You really all, I, all I just said was Pepe the Pew, me too. <laughs> and it was Pepe, me too. And I'm gonna draw. We just painted your did board. You, did you come up with that? Board. That's that's I like did. something I that did. I feel like should have. Yeah, that's good. I know we we're gonna use it. There. You're an artist. Twitter, <laughs> my first tweet ever. Pepe, me too. Pepe, Pepe me the too. Pew, me too. <laughs> it's not even that good of a story, but hey. Yeah, that's great. Was inappropriate nowadays. But then, so. but you guys met through June Shine. June, June yeah. Shine. Shine of the June. Yep, love it. I know it was like really romantic. I'm not actually, uh, yeah, official team manager. Now that we talked about the Me Too movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then how? Why the hell am I I'm a brand ambassador. I'm, <laughs> I'm in lower employment yeah. status than Nora. I just want to make this very clear. She's actually higher up than me. So you if guys getting Me Too. <laughs> Fucking inspire me to uh, surf and skate, and I appreciate that you. I appreciate that you just don't go along with the tide. It's it's really amazing uh, doing this podcast because I get to sit down with a lot of people that do that because that's what makes them unique, and like mm. we actually have a conversation. And there's a um, there's a fucking frequency that I I like sense when I talk to people that are they're just like no that I'm gonna do it a different way and that's not cool and like I'm just gonna do this other way and it's thumbs up guys well it's cool that you you attract that in your podcast yeah because you have to put that out to get that back so you you attract the right people man. <laughs> I mean as far as we're concerned everyone yeah well hey you've been on my podcast three times which is a yeah. good uh, I, and it's funny too that our our friendship is like I would say that 90% of it has been within the podcasting like yeah. what? Like, we're, like we always make like are no, such great I'd say friends. 50. It was like 50, 50 before that, and I like, love that. but in the last few yeah. years, yeah, it has been. Yeah. It's well, a Nora, thing. you're welcome back on the show anytime. Thank you. And I hope that uh, you make the Olympic team and then just get off your run, and spray paint some Daisy on the, <laughs> on the, on the yeah. Park that would be the that would be like the best uh, case start, scenario. Start doing a hula hoop and some like crazy African oh, dance dude, in front of millions of people. So many bad things I want to do well, if I make the Olympics. L- so. l- let's let's finish <laughs> it with this. When I grew up, I had a poster of the. Um, first of the the first second and third um place olympians in the distance run and it's this very iconic photo of these two black men raising their fist above Mm -hmm, their mm -hmm. head and then there's a white guy standing that there with his hands down looking 
super awkward. Oh. Uh, and it's this great iconic photo of these two guys. They the the guy won, then the guy got third place. Um, and they did a black power mm-hmm. symbol. Uh, I believe it was in the 60s. It's amazing. They were both demetaled. No, I know which photo you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, they were both demetaled for uh, Are you doing kidding it. me? Yeah. And uh, when you look at what that symbolizes, it's using the massive platform totally. and then infusing something real into it yeah so i hope that you can both because you you both have the skill to be on that level where there is great audience i hope that you can continue to infuse what you believe into those moments thank you thank you cheers we do too cheers guys invisible drink Juneshine. hard kombucha uh and where can people find you to tell you about uh how much they hate you heaven and hell what do you mean Instagram. <laughs> Everyone knows it. <laughs> that was deep. Or Fish 101, or Best Pizza, or <laughs> any eating about the internet. Oh. <laughs> On the internet. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about physical where, places? Where, where, can, no. where, where can people find you? Like, oh, I'll be at Dharma's Restaurant. It's a healthy health food store in Santa Cruz. Like, <laughs> that's funny. You can find me. Just give them my I, address. My, my favorite was like, I, I did one of, I, uh, I think Mickey Avalon said this. I was like, where can people find you? He's like, I'd prefer they didn't. <laughs> Heavy. <laughs> Heavy. That's real talk, right? No, real, t- real talk. You can find Albie at livefastdialed.com. Where can we find Nora? At norathexplorer.com. At, at, it's just at Nora the Explorer. All right. I got to pee. I, Don't we all? Yeah, we do. I've been peeing. Bye, everyone. Bye. Play out the song from one of our listeners. This is a band called Efficiency, and this is a song called Down Deep. If you want to learn more about their music, you can click the link below. And once again, thank you to Santa Cruz Medicinals for supporting each and every one of these podcasts. If you want to get 10% off all kinds of potent CBD products, you can go to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10. You can get CBD olive oil, pain cream, coconut oil, CBD clay masks. I'm going to stay young forever with this shit. So you can go to scmedicinals.com, type in the code name KYLE10, all caps, get 10% off all products. And once again, I love getting these voice memos from you, so record one on your phone. Try to keep it under 90 seconds, but let me know who you are and where you're listening from. Some details about where you are in this moment. You can email to info at kyle.surf, and I'll play at the beginning of the podcast. Thank you again, everyone, for listening to this show. I value each and every one of you, and I do not take it for granted. So thank you very much. And I'll catch you next time. Hope you enjoy this song by Efficiency called Down. Down.